Are you a service-based business owner looking to increase profits to fund your lifestyle? Well, this podcast is for you. We bring you inspirational guests sharing actionable tips to solve many of the struggles you face each and every day. And now, over to your host, Paul Higgins. Welcome to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you're a first-time listener and you love what you hear, please subscribe. If you're a regular, thanks for your support. It means the world to me. You can always reach out to me and ask me any questions at any time time. Also, there will be a full transcription of the episode, but you can take notes and there's plenty of notes to take as always as our experts give you their best. And today's expert is no different. They've actually had many roles in their career. If you look at their LinkedIn profile, it's one of the lengthier ones I've seen, but that's collected a whole lot of skills to put in their skill bag. And then they started doubling down about three and a half years ago on helping people with process. And I know what you're thinking, process, do I really want to listen to this podcast or watch it, given it's about process, but it's going to be very refreshing because they've got a great take on what process means. And they really focus on small businesses, in particular coaches and consultants, and there's a lot to be learned in this. And what does that include? One is how that thinking functionally, especially like most of us have grown up in corporate, is not the way to think anymore. And she's got a really brilliant take on that. The second is how to delegate to others and remove all of those hats you wear as a a CEO or an MD. And the third one is why less platforms is actually more. They've kindly given a blueprint as well, which is great that they give away at the end. So what I'll do now is hand you over to Layla Pomper from processdriven.co. Welcome, Layla Pomper from processdriven.co. Layla, great to have you here. Great to be here, Paul. I'm so excited to chat all about process stuff. Yeah, well, look, I know that for a lot of business owners, you know, process isn't one of their favorite words and favorite things, but when you get it right, the the benefits are enormous. And uh, let's start with, you know, who do you love to help and what are some of the key problems that they, they face before you come to the party? Oh, okay. Well, we work with small teams, small business teams. So usually someone who just has those first few subcontractors or those first few employees, and they're trying to figure out how to make the day-to-day of running their business less terrifying, less terrible. And we take the angle that process can do that. When we write down how we do things and we do things in a systematic way, work can actually be more enjoyable than before process. And that's what we do mainly through a community membership, but also some consulting. Great. And and what got you into that? What why what process for you? So I started off this journey very accidentally into entrepreneurship. I wanted to be an entrepreneur before I knew what I wanted to entrepreneur about, if that makes sense. And originally I started as a tech VA and realized that technology changes so much while it was near to my heart. I wanted to anchor into something that was more fundamental, something that was an old practice that I could learn from people who came before me as a young entrepreneur and discovered this whole idea of customer journey mapping and discovering how we do work. And when I was setting up my small business, my husband's small business, friends, small businesses, the common thread was process. And so it was very organic, and it's funny to look back at it now, but that's kind of been the journey. Yeah, great. And uh, I know that you sort of picked one platform, which is ClickUp. So, mm-hmm. you know, just, yeah, let people know, you know, what have you used in the past, why why mm-hmm. ClickUp, and what are some of the benefits of ClickUp versus some other project management software? So you 
Paul, you call me right out on how poorly I have left technology behind. (laughs) (laughs) I started with tech, went to process, and I was like, all right, back to this tech thing because I couldn't leave ClickUp. Um, So ClickUp is a project management tool. You've probably heard of Asana or Trello or Rike or Monday. ClickUp's in that kind of ballpark. Um, For various reasons, it does a whole lot more. So it takes a different approach to that kind of space. It does a lot of things all into one combined tool. And when I discovered it, I was like, oh, this is way too complex. A year passed, it got a lot less complex, a lot better designed. And I realized that this was really a tool that could be the vehicle for all the process work I wanted to do. So it wasn't so abstract. So I spend a lot of time now on YouTube and with clients geeking out about ClickUp, which has come kind of the backbone of the way we talk about process. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's how the addiction started. Yeah, great. And I think, you know, you, you've got to find the tool that's comfortable, but the most important bit is the philosophy and the principles mm-hmm. around um, setting up your processes. So what do you know about setting up processes that, that many of us miss? I, I think it's such an interesting question because as a young entrepreneur, which is the identity I had, I always felt nervous to say, you know what, this seems weird. But as I've been in business longer and longer, I've come to see that as a real gift. Um, So one thing that I've noticed time and time again when it comes to process, especially with folks in ex-corporate, which I believe you said a lot of your audience falls into that category, so listen up, folks, uh, is the idea of grouping our processes around departments. You know what I'm talking about with kind of like the, yeah. the hierarchy yeah. charts Functions, you're familiar departments, with? Departments, yeah. What, what, what I spent 18 years with, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just just a few, a short stint in corporate. Uh, so those departments, I've come to really understand them as managerial units. When I was in college, we learned it in the textbook. When I've been in businesses, that's really, at the end of the day, what departments are used for. It's for managers' life to be easier. But as someone who started at the bottom... <laughs> I am more comfortable with bottom-up approaches and the work of the worker bees. And what I've come to find is that process is the unit by which doers organize their work. So as a doer, I am focused on getting the sales brochure out, even though that involves working with marketing and sales and maybe some operations. But from a management perspective, a strategic perspective, we get so siloed into thinking of these as discrete, different avenues that we make it very hard for those different departments or those people in those departments to actually get the actual job done. Yeah, yeah. And and how, look, for me, you know, I've, you know, like I said, I've been a director of a large corporate. So, you know, had, you know, teams of a couple of hundred versus now I've got a really great loyal team of, you know, five. But I often find, you know, the, the, yeah, the role is really redundant because it's more about their skills and what they're best at and then matching that to the the tasks that needed to be done. Is that getting closer to the way that you look at it versus a traditional, okay, you're in this job, so therefore you only do these set amount of tasks within this function? Absolutely. I mean, uh, Paul, how many departments do you think you work in in your business, if I can None. ask? <laughs> None? <laughs> Well, no, I suppose we're very flat. But yeah, look, you've you've still got like I still set up, you know, I use Asana. I haven't moved over to ClickUp as yet, but in my Asana, I still have, yeah. you know, sales and marketing. I still have operations. So I still set up my overall view of the business. Still I set it up by function. That's just mm-hmm. how I've been ingrained. But yeah. the people that are doing those, you know, there's my five team members are all doing things within each of those, if that makes sense. It's not you only do sales or you only do marketing or you only do ops. 
that's exactly the kind of observation that led me down this path is because we can't afford, unless you have a hundred employees to really specialize, even when we're at 50 employees, there's still generalization that's happening. And so the idea is to build for that, build around what we're trying to accomplish. And uh, the way to do that is to break down your business in terms of what job or what um, result you're trying to accomplish. And that's the big reframe. It tends to look similar to departments at first glance. So for example, you might have the purpose of your business rather than having the CEO seat, which on a solopreneur, you said you have some consultants in here. Many consultants start off as one person businesses. Yes. So if you are a consultant, your org chart is going to say CEO. That is a remarkably unhelpful tool for planning your business growth. But if we flip that and think in terms of process, when you're just a solo CEO, your main job is make profit. Then you have some sub jobs like generate leads, convert leads, deliver services. All of a sudden, we've created your future org chart, even though you only have one person involved. And we can have one person owning many processes on that same chart. And that's kind of the reframe. We don't marry everything to its job title. Yeah, look, yeah, I think that's yeah, really clever. So, you know, if if we take a step back, most, you know, like, you know, I work in the area of, of helping people with sales, but if if I look more broadly than that, you know, the owner's doing lots of things, as you said, and then slowly, you know, they've got multiple hats and slowly they're lifting them off. Now, what's the best way that you've seen someone delegate, i.e., get what's in their head? into a system so that someone else can actually help? What's what's your learnings and, and advice around that? I always like to start people by figuring out what the hats even are. Like, are we dealing with a cowboy hat, a beret, a top hat? What actually are they? Because when I'm dealing with an owner operator, oftentimes they say, I'm doing everything. This isn't delegatable because they're seeing a big old pile of fabric and not a bunch of discrete hats. So I usually have people start by creating a process org chart, which Again, kind of like what we just talked about, it, it's similar to that. Think about the main functions. And as you go about your day or week, start writing down what those recurring, repeating processes are in your business. Those are your hats. It could be 100 hats or it could be two very big hats. But that's where I would start because we can't delegate what we don't actually know exists. Yes. In my opinion, at least. Maybe maybe some people are better than that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Look, I, I completely agree. And, and you know, I must admit, we haven't done it as well as we'd like to, but our theory is, say, in Asana, we've got a, a project, so everything that's repeating, i.e., you know, you've got it on a repeating cycle as a task, we actually mm-hmm. have under a project called, uh, I think it's called Routines and... Amazing. Uh, Etc. So then when, yeah. when, when, because, you know, sometimes I get confused as to who's doing what, right? So I can, it's called a regular and repeat tasks. So I can mm-hmm. then go in and search by that person and then look at, well, these are the, the, the tasks that they do on a regular basis. So, you know, whether it's writing a job description, someone new coming in, it's very easy to say, well, these are the things that everyone does. Um, so that's my approach. You know, how does that work with the way that you you uh, help clients? That is very similar to what I have folks build out when they're building out ClickUp system. I call it the idea of capacity defense. Build a system to keep things from becoming last-minute emergencies. And it starts off, similarly, I call it routine tasks. I'll take repeating tasks. Yeah. Uh, you have a routine task list. And that's the house of all of your routines that are non-negotiable, day-to-day running of your business. Where I push it a bit further 
um, is adding in not just assignees, but role titles. So you can start to see, even if me, the CEO, is in five different roles right now, what are those roles and what should those roles be responsible to make it easier to eventually splice my role in half? Um, and then, it, I don't know if you want me to go a little bit further. Yeah, go, yeah, go for it. Just to throw one more curveball, uh, this is where process becomes fun and not just drudgery. Rather than just routines, we add one more list called new initiatives, which you might call projects or new endeavors. Yes. And we organize them in a certain way to help us commit to our future capacity. And that is talking about growth. We don't have to worry about SOPs as much there. It's about moving the business further. By having these two sections, we can kind of measure how much are we being, how, much, how many routines are we doing as a percentage of our time versus how much growth work are we doing? Which, I mean, for sales, I'm sure that's kind of already the language that you speak in, uh, in that work. Yes, yes. And and you mentioned SOPs, and I want to get to it uh, uh, yeah. in a moment, but just on that delegation of taking something that's in your head, you know, into to a system. So, you know, what are, I know that we use a, a system called VARC, which is a V-A-R-K. You can look it up. It's a questionnaire to say, well, what's someone's best learning style? So, you know, I'm a very mm. much a visual learner. Some people are very much an auditory learner. So we try to map how we're going to hand off the the task into the way that they best learn but what about for you like you know is it best to always do it by video you know a video and text like yeah i'd love to get uh, your thoughts on how best to remove it from you onto you know someone else's plate so to speak yeah well like you paul like i do a lot of video work but and i'm comfortable speaking that's the easiest way for me to get information out of my head but SOPs should be a work of compassion. It should be about making everyone else's life easier, not necessarily yours in that moment. So I kind of break the tradition of everyone recommending Loom videos. And what I recommend for SOPs is to, uh, I call start, stop, and steps. So right the beginning of the process, the inputs or the things that you know tell you that you are ready to do something, which should be simple as less than five words. You know, I'm ready to make a YouTube video when I have a script. At the bottom of the process, you you know when you're done, when I have a recorded video. Then you write the steps. High level, what are the things that happened to get me there? Again, three to five words, almost like a BuzzFeed article. Once that's done, I, me, myself, the expert, do the process and just write a few more notes, maybe add some screenshots if something's really confusing, but mainly focus on text because text will allow us to easily edit it. And I don't know about you, but I am lazy and I do not want to have to redo screenshots or redo video clips. Yes, I want to be able to change one word. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. And um, and you know, there's you know, some people go to the nth degree where you know it's exactly you know like log into the system. It's like well, you know, log into this specific system. Like <laughs> you you've sort of talked you know five words like sort of you know be more intuitive, I suppose, yes. rather than very detailed. Yeah, what's your view on 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 that when you're handing off an SOP or creating an SOP? The details come later. And I actually think the details should not be written by the business owner. So what I just told you for those listening, that is your steps. Yeah. Then you, you sign it to Paul. Let's say Paul's coming to work with us. Hey, Paul, here's the SOP. And take some time to read that over. And when you're ready to do it for the first time, let's jump on a call. That's it. So you have some time to digest if you are someone who learns by reading or watching or trying things. But then we have an auditory, you know, a visual discussion going through the steps. And your job, Paul, as our new team member, is to write down notes 
in the actual SOP and therefore take over ownership of it. You are now the keeper of the SOP. It's in your words, not in an expert's tones and assumptions. And I can just, you know, hands off at that point. Great. And and I've heard, a, you know, a rough rule of thumb is that um, the best way to know an SOP is complete is to give it to someone that's never done the task before and see if they can complete it. Is that a, is that true a myth? What's, what's your view on that? <laughs> so in small business, I think we break a lot of the rules of SOPs. So I'm just going to say that for the teams here who are less than 25 people, less than 50 people, I don't believe that's necessary. Yeah, I believe we are in a culture-driven society, and there's going to be so much knowledge floating around that I don't think we should fight against that, and I don't think we should over-document for that. Um, if you think about your process work charts, the things you do in your business, the routinest of routines, the most low-skill tasks that you know you would delegate to a VA um, just to do very quickly for you, those, sure, I want those super systemized. But anything above that bottom layer, we're in small business because we love human creativity. We love what people bring to the equation. We like the spontaneity. And I think we should lean into that and not overly, I don't want to, we don't want to be mini corporations. That's not what we're built for. Yeah. And I think for me personally, it's, you know, it's what's the minimum. So if someone was to unfortunately, you know, leave or something happens, what's the bare minimum that you need to at least get it out the door, right? So it doesn't have to be perfect, but it's at least out the door. So build it based on that. And, and you know, the, the other thing that often um, business owners struggle with is, you know, what platforms do I use? So for example, you know, we use a combination of platforms. We've got um, some of our process in Airtable, you know, we did have them in um, a platform, uh, well, we've got a platform called Process Street, but we've never used it, yeah. to be honest. Oh, and then we've no. got Asana, which is our project <laughs> management. But, you know, how does that work? Should they all be in one place? Should they, you know, is there better platforms for, for SOPs? Love to get your experience on on, on platforms and what, what to use. Yeah. So uh, we talked just briefly before we started. I, I think you were listing a few examples like the ones here about, you know, where could processes go? And I think there really is a spectrum. There's the specialty tools all the way on one side of the process streets of the world. Then there are kind of the catch-all database style tools, Airtable, Notion, Google Sheets. They all fall in the middle. Yeah. And then there's project management tools like Asana, ClickUp, uh, Rike, all of those ones. Yes. And that spectrum I think also lines up to the spectrum of business complexity. I think Process Street could work. I haven't seen it, but I think it's possible that it could work very well for a more systematic, larger business, where again, we have very systematic, very limited human input, not very creative in some ways, just you know, almost like an ERP kind of process. Yes. But for businesses like we're talking to here, I'm in favor of keeping it in one centralized place that is emphasizing the ease of editing, which is just like what we talked about before. Can I ask, you know, what uh, was your journey like in Process Street, if you don't mind me well, writing in? Yeah, to be honest, it was very brief because I sort of looked at mm. it and I thought, well, hang on, most of this stuff I'm already doing in Asana. So why do I want to complicate it by having another system? Because I'm a big believer in the less links in the chain, the more damage that can occur. Right. So for me, I'm like where the work happens should be as close to where the SOP is. So if all the work happens in Asana, where possible, all the checklists and the things that we do should be in there. So you don't have to jump out into another system to find it. And that's why we decided not to go with Process Street versus just keeping mm -hmm. it in Asana for that reason. Your experience is exactly the one that I, you know, when we were doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one tech consulting with clients, that's 
That's what we kept running into again and again. Or you set up Process Street and so many times you set it up, you pour time and energy into it. Then it sits there on a tab that feels miles away, even though it's right next to where people are working. And that tab jump is big enough that people will not do it. Something like Airtable that can embed or link, even building it directly in Notion or ClickUp can do that as well. That's exactly what I recommend because I think we need as little friction as possible. So that way it's actually making lives easier. Yeah, and, and and to me it was you know back in my corporate days you you would you know whoever sat next to you you'd see them all the time right and it was very familiar to have conversations and then someone would move you know even if they moved across the other side of the floor you would, wouldn't see them as often right and I think that's what you know your checklist should be they should be very familiar exactly where you're doing the work and therefore you know by default like you said they'll get improved more and they'll get done so uh, I'm I'm glad we're on the same page yeah something you like to add. I just want to emphasize what you just said, because I think people are going to hear that and they're going to miss how good of a point that is. It's going to get updated more often. (laughs) The the frequency of updates when it's directly in the same tool is going to be significantly higher than when it's another tab, even a Google Doc, which we talked about before. Um, And I think that's one of the most important things. If you're going to spend so much work on this, they need to be updated incrementally. They should be updated, uh, I would say, at least every week for processes that are routine and recurring. naturally, you know, a little word here and there. Yeah, brilliant. And, and, you know, the benefits of getting someone else in versus one of your team members to do it, you know, I constantly hear that as a struggle, you know, like, you know, this is just so difficult, and especially a lot of people that aren't process-minded, they're like, you know, it's like the blind leading the blind, to, to, be, yeah. to be honest. What, what's your <laughs> view and your experience on getting someone in like you versus, um, you know, trying to do it in-house? Are you referring to the process piece of it or setting up kind of the structure of things um, or both? Sort of both. Like, you know, it's like the, mm-hmm. I suppose the structure then leads to detail of the process. Yeah. So when it comes to the structure, I think it's, it's pretty invaluable to get feedback, especially because the way we teach it here is very much focused around the process org chart. And so we're, we're lucky now that we have a community of people who, so we have a collection of hundreds of process org charts. And what happens when you have an org chart? outlining everything that you do in your business is you realize what you should be doing that you're not or what that you are doing that you really shouldn't be at the scale that you are. And that's the more common option. We take on too much. And so I think for that value alone to help you focus almost your execution energy, if we can call it that, um, I think it is invaluable to get insights from a coach, from someone who does process stuff, from ClickUp geeks like myself um, to avoid making your life a whole lot harder, both from a business strategy perspective and just your day-to-day um, process stuff, taking that work chart and then starting to work on it. I think uh, the role of an expert is that of a facilitator, but I really like the strategy of having the team members, the most junior peoples on the team, becoming the authors and the owners, because you're going to see them fight for that SOP, point out errors in a frequency that's going to be much higher if they are the author. That level of ownership is in- almost impossible to get if they're not the creator in some way. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. And that's, I think there's that great step that you mentioned before that, yes, they do it, but you've also got someone, you know, checking, I suppose, mm-hmm. someone independent doing it as well to say, well, yes, actually, you know what, you can, because I know sometimes when you're so, you know, what comes natural to you isn't obviously what comes natural to other people. So there's, you know, sometimes there's so many, sometimes it's like in sales, you know, often I'll think, oh, well, yeah, of course you'd do that. Of course you'd have an agenda. Yeah. Or a yeah. sales meeting, right? That's just, you know, I've been doing that for, you know, 28 <laughs> years, but that's not always the case. So it does help with, uh, 
with with overcoming that. Um, awesome. Well, look, I, you know, you can tell I'm I'm excited about this. I, I suppose I'm, um, it used to be, you know, in Coca Cola, we're very process uh, driven, um, mm-hmm. but it still also had that creativity. So it was a nice balance. So you know, I'm passionate about this because I see the, the benefits of it. And the number one thing here, it, it doesn't really matter what size of business. I think these days you really need two things. You do need a project management software. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. so much easier to do that. And the second thing is you do need, you know, whether it's a virtual assistant or a team to be able to hand off those those hats. So if you're watching this or listening and you haven't done those two things, start there and then work mm-hmm. with someone like Layla. So before we go into the live section, I'd just like to talk about the pulse check that I'd love okay. you to do. So the pulse check is where I've come up with my 27 years of experience of sales and I've said, and most importantly, my recent experience is where I built up and exited a tech consulting business where I say, look, these are the most important things to have a sales system that you can scale your next million in revenue because often your first million is through referrals, but how do you take it to the next where it doesn't need as much as your time? So in there, there's nine questions. It'll take you three minutes. So that will be great, but the invaluable part is then based on your result, I'll have a call with you and give you a plan, not a sales call, but a plan on exactly what you should do next. So to go and see that, just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash Pulse. So the next section, Layla, is the live section. So what are some daily habits that help you be successful? Oh, well, that's such a funny question. And this is going to throw people off their kilter, I think. Believe it or not, I am a highly unhabit forming person. <laughs> so I have very few habits. My habit is mainly to make my husband uh, happy. He is the person that takes care of everything in our life, most of the routines, and he is the person that makes all of this possible. So my only routine is to find little ways to make his day better <laughs> besides, you know, exercise and all those basic things. But I truly believe that outside of work, relaxation is the job to be had. And in work, total opposite. Really? And and <laughs> now, I'm, always, um, I'm always interested in uh, you know, nature versus nurture. But for example, you know, my dad is the least process-driven person on the planet. He's very much a relationship yep. guy, uh, free spirit, a dreamer. My mum, ex-school teacher, process-driven to the nth degree. So she had a checklist mm-hmm. for, you know, her checklist for her checklist, right? And I find I'm a combination of both. What about you? Like, mm-hmm. now obviously, in work <laughs> time, you're very process-driven, but that free spirit part, where does that come from for you? That comes from my parents. I I have parents, and they're going to hate me saying this. Eventually, they'll say, hey, hey parents, they're going to be so <laughs> upset. Uh, my parents were carnival workers, so carnies. And that, in the U.S. at least, is a culture of working 48 hours, traveling, then working 48 more hours, just a complete kind of vagabond lifestyle for at least their younger years. And that pretty much influenced the entire upbringing we had as children, complete freedoms, as long as we were, you know, excelling in school and chasing our dreams of whatever that was. And I revolted by being very process oriented. I was the, come on, why don't we plan anything? And as I've gotten older, it's come back to a kind of a middle place. And I also watched them start a business that they continue to run that is quite draining on them, not very satisfying, not very, you know, 
it's not that life of freedom that many of us dream of with entrepreneurship. And so they've been a huge influence on kind of my goal of building businesses that use process to make life enjoyable again. Uh, so we don't have to be afraid of running our own businesses. Great. And I don't know if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Perfect sense. And the question that's probably burning on everyone's mind at the moment is what was your particular act? Like what, what were you famous <laughs> for in the carnival? I was too young to be famous for anything. I had a lemonade stand and apparently I was very good at making change, but that's about it. (laughs) The next section is the give section. And what's a community or a charity that you, you support and why? Yeah. So I had to think about this one a little bit because we're still trying to, you know, we're still growing here and figuring out what that's going to look like long-term. But right now I think it's almost the anti-formal education movement or the first generation students. So I, myself, as you might've guessed by the backstory was the beneficiary of a first generation scholarship to go to college first in my family, first ever. Um, And that is a demographic of people and anyone with access barriers um, that I'm looking to help mainly through at this point, because of where we're at in our journey, our hiring practices. That's direct correlation from the process to the mission. Uh, we don't collect we don't collect resumes at all. LinkedIn profiles are not required. High school degrees are not required. Um, and we just believe in aptitude over job titles or you know paper uh, credentials. Yeah, I was uh, listening to a podcast uh, yesterday, and I was saying that you know student debt is now going to be turned back on again. I think it was October <sighs> or something, and I can just see that you know like it's you know it's less prevalent in the country i live in australia than what it is the the us and uh yeah to to help improve that i think is is great well the the last section is a rapid fire section where i ask you some questions and get some rapid fire responses and uh you can't mention click up in the first one but what's a piece of technology that is essential to running your business other than click up Can I say YouTube? (laughs) Yeah, 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 definitely. I'm going to say YouTube. YouTube is the tool that has completely changed my entire life and not in an understatement sort of way in a year. So YouTube would be the tool. Yeah, and we'll have to get you back talking about YouTube because I was going to talk about it, but (laughs) I know we went into process that much that we didn't get a chance to. So that's great. Uh, The next one is um, your best sales tip. Uh, treat everyone like your mother-in-law and I have a mother-in-law I love. So a good mother-in-law. Um, but my perspective really changed around sales when I realized that the job of a salesperson is to find the best solution, preferably not your own. And that tip just completely changed everything for me. And I started to actually kind of enjoy selling when I realized it wasn't about selling. Yeah. It takes the pressure off. Great. And, uh, for you, you know, um, where do you look and who do you look for to get help to help you grow your business? At this point, my customers, and I'm maybe backwards from most in this, I work with people who are way smarter than me, way more experienced than me, way, just incredible people. And so I am really big on feedback surveys and one-on-one conversations with every single community member we have uh, to get feedback. So they are the number one source of learning for the past three years and counting. Great. And uh, the last question is for you, what piece of advice would you like to leave us with? Yeah, I think it's to reframe process, to view process as internal branding, as something as sexy as a logo, and not as something that is an operational dusty binder. Process is about effectiveness, efficiency plus human happiness, not just the bottom line or numbers or time tracking. Brilliant. So look, you can find out more about Layla at Process 
driven.co.co, not .com, but .co. And she's also <laughs> given us a, a fantastic blueprint. So it's basically mm. a, a webinar that shows you exactly how, if you wanted to go and set up ClickUp by yourself. So that's at uh, processdriven.co forward slash blueprint. So great to have you on, Layla. I really like your your philosophy around this. I think it's, uh, it is fun, it is enjoyable, and so has been having you on this podcast. So uh, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. Thank you. Bye. I really enjoyed that with Layla, and you could tell that I started to geek out a little myself, but she had such a refreshing way of looking at processes. And if you're really looking for some help, I highly recommend you reach out to her. You can get the blueprint. So that blueprint will take you through how to set up ClickUp, but it'll also show you her philosophy. So you can go to processdriven.co forward slash blueprint, and you can also find her on YouTube, which I that's how I found her. I've been uh, looking at some of her material, and it's fantastic. You can also get that pulse check to get those nine questions to really see if you've got the right sales system to get you to your next million in revenue. Just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash pulse. Please take action to build, live, and give. Thanks for listening to the Build, Live, Give podcast. If you like what you heard, please share it and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us.